Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. I'm riding high, a clean sweep across across the board in my leagues. Things are looking good for me week 10. Yeah, and it seems like uh, this week things are either looking really good or really bad. Uh, I took a look at all the matchups across my different leagues, and it seems like there were a ton of blowouts this week. Uh, your team either came through and dominated or you lost by like 80 points. That's because there were guys that, you know, RB2's flex plays came through big time for you. Leonard Fournette returned to the stage, 20-plus points. Aaron Jones, 20-plus points. Nick Chubb having a day. These guys are just uh, lighting things up out there. And, and heck, uh, Pat Mahomes couldn't even get in on the big point scoring action. Only 20 for him. Yeah, and that's why we know he's so good when we say a 20-point week for Mahomes is pretty quiet. <laughs> that's right. Well, we are going to continue with uh, our trend this week. I'm going to throw in some trade targets during each of our game previews and then Mm -hmm. uh you know we'll uh go through all the weekly matchups as we normally do and quite a few priority waiver wire ads this week as well there we go of course we will begin as always with our gillette close shave of the week and it's been an uphill battle for the dallas cowboys this season and playing in philadelphia in primetime sunday night was a big test the cowboys placed their hopes in the hands of their best player and Ezekiel Elliott did not let them down. Elliott ran the ball down the Eagles' throats, rushing for 151 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And as if that weren't enough, Zeke also contributed 36 yards through the air and another score. With Zeke leading the way, Dallas shocked Philly fans at home en route to a close 27-20 win against their bitter divisional rivals. Get your close shave like Ezekiel Elliott with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you, order conveniently on the website, by email, or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 off your first order. Great choice for the Gillette Close Shape Player of the Week. A phenomenal player every week, and he has returned to stardom with, with what the Cowboys have done. I guess all they needed was Amari Cooper, huh? I guess so. Uh, I mean, really, anything to take some of the defensive attention off of him, and all of a sudden he's got some tiny little lanes, but he'll make the most out of them. Yeah, I, I just I just hope defenses start to realize that Cooper is not that good. Shut down Ezekiel Elliott and, and knock Dallas off the top of this division already. We, get, we want to see Washington in the playoffs. That's what I want to see. Mm, do we, though? <laughs> no. No, no, we don't. Well, hopefully we won't see Green Bay either. That's Oh, that's the exact transition I was hoping to give you. Brings us into Thursday Night Football. You're learning, Mug. You're picking this up. Green Bay at Seattle Thursday night. The Pack won at home versus the Dolphins. Aaron Rodgers will be fine here despite the short week, of course. Uh, Devontae Adams is a wide receiver. One, they do not have anybody on this team who can shut him down. Four catches, 57 yards, and two touchdowns this week versus Xavier Howard. Oh, boy. Uh MVS, wow, I almost called him Montel Vontavious Porter, which is an old-school uh, WWE wrestler. I was going to say Mart- uh, Montel Vontav- uh, Vontavious Scandling. I, now I can't even think what his name is. Uh, I'll help you out here. Marquez. Marquez Valdez Scandling. There you go. Scandling, thank you so much. He uh, has emerged as the clear two on this team. He's an upside wide receiver three this week, a good flex option. Um, 
with with all the like I said last week with all the talk of the uh, three young wide receivers nobody was talking about MVS and dynasty drafts he was clearly the guy to go to uh, now for these running backs we finally saw what we've waited all year for 15 carries 145 yards and two touchdowns for Aaron Jones plus three catches on five targets for 27 yards to uh, three carries for Jamal Williams that's all he saw this is his backfield now and he is a high-end running back, too. I want to see one more week of this workload consistency just to make sure we can trust it. If we can, he's a low-end running back one for me in this offense. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. Um, I certainly hope so. I have my own shares of Aaron Jones in quite a few leagues. But you know, even though Seattle's defense has been playing better as of late, I still have Rodgers in that mid-range QB1 even on the road. And as you said, Jones finally had his huge game, but... We've seen that Mike McCarthy and the Packers seem to go away from him so much, especially in closer games. Uh, you know, we really expected them to dominate Miami at home, and that's exactly what they did. And speaking of Miami, has one of the worst rush defenses, so it's good to see, you know, your studs have huge games against bad defenses. That said, though, um, the Seahawks actually limit uh, running backs to quite a not, or excuse me, they're in the top 10. Uh, least points allowed to opposing running backs. So I still like Jones as a mid-range, low-end RB2 here, and certainly he has that monster upside that we've seen now, but I wouldn't go too crazy on him this week. Um, And as you said, clearly he is the lead back now, Uh, so Williams remains a running back four, running back five, just a handcuff until we see him more involved in this offense, but we will still talk about Jamal Williams in our waiver wire section as a priority handcuff now. Uh, Of course, you're starting Adams, and assuming Randall Cobb's out again on a short week here with that hamstring injury, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, or uh, who was it that you called him? Uh, Montavious. Montel Montavious Scantling. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, Scantling should be a high-end wide receiver three here. Uh, and Equinamius St. Brown, too. He'll be a boom or bust wide receiver four. We didn't see him do a whole lot against Miami, but Green Bay really didn't need to do a whole lot through the air. So we'll see if there's some upside there. And then, of course, Jimmy Graham stays in that mid to low end tight end one range, even though he had a quiet week. Uh, He should continue to see targets, even though Seattle does defend opposing tight ends pretty well. Uh, They have not faced a ton of teams with strong receiving tight ends, so those numbers may be a little bit deceiving here. For Seattle, we should should see a lot of points scored here after Seattle more than held their own versus the Rams. Uh, Russell Wilson is a solid quarterback one with rushing upside. This team is a tough call. Otherwise, that's mostly due to the success of Rashad Penny this week. 12 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown to Mike Davis's 11 carries, 58 yards with four catches and a touchdown, which would be nice and all, but Chris Carson will probably be back this week. If he's not, Davis is a solid flex, and Penny is a gutsy flex play that I'd likely avoid. Davis has rushed well with this team and can catch and pass block. I trust him the most still. Uh, that said, I expect to see all three of Carson's heavy. Seattle commits heavily to the run, which keeps the pass attempts down. Only 26 attempts this game, with only 13 of those. Half of those targets were to wide receivers. Baldwin, Lockett, and more are flex plays in that order. Um, by the way, here, just a quick game break. Uh, we're not even through the first quarter, and uh, Eli Manning has his first pick. So he is on pace for four interceptions, and Saquon Barkley is on pace for 873 targets. Woohoo! 
Um, and here, uh, you know, speaking of Seattle, Green Bay's defense doesn't scare anyone either. So Wilson should be a fine quarterback one play. Uh, according to Pete Carroll, you know, he says that Chris Carson will be back this week. So I, I guess Mike Davis loses the most value, assuming that happens. Um, Carson, to me, would be the best flex play here. I'm assuming he would start if he's active, but he's going to be a risky play because Seattle may just turn this into a full-blown running back by committee. Uh, as you said, this is a messy situation. Um, I really prefer Tyler Lockett here as the best receiver um, on the team. I, I think he's eclipsed Doug Baldwin for now, uh, especially with Baldwin doesn't, you know, he looks slow, uh, whether it's the groin injury from earlier uh, or if it's just father time catching up. Uh, I'm not sure, but he doesn't look great this year. Uh, I, I do think that Tyler Lockett, uh, we mentioned last week, uh, continues to produce as a nice wide receiver three play and should be a trade target for you. Uh, get him while you still can. And then even though I don't love Baldwin here, he's still a flex play with a decent PPR floor, just not a whole lot of weekly upside here. Um, and last week we did to, uh, you know, mention Nick Vanette as a decent streaming tight end option. He came through, uh, but I'd fade him this week against Green Bay's linebackers, much better at defending the tight end than the Rams are. And then, of course, David Moore is the biggest loser here of Nick Finette coming back from injury and stealing those red zone targets. Uh, Moore remains that boomer bust wide receiver four until we see a little bit more consistency to match that scoring upside that he's got here. I think that this is going to be a close one, uh, but I will take the Seahawks at home, even without Golden Tate to score a game-winning touchdown, even though it's a clear Packers interception. Um by the way, I will also take the over on two and a half mentions of that event during the coverage for this game. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully even more. I love when uh, I love when the announcers say the same thing over and over again. If you weren't listening to the game, you heard it about 45 times that Seattle does have a, a an exotic smash mouth offense. They're running. They're taking it old school. And I don't think Green Bay can stop them. They have a, they're running like an extra tackle at tight end, and that's why they're rushing football so darn well. I don't think Green Bay has anything to combat that. And I see Seattle actually grinding this game out and winning here. Yeah. By the way, uh, isn't it ironic that of all the uh, of all the teams that want to run, you know, power run games, uh, it, it's the team with uh, Russell Wilson and the teams with you know Aaron Aaron Rodgers and just the good quarterbacks who you know help the strong running games really. Absolutely. If you've got to defend the pass, that opens up things for the run. Dallas at Atlanta kicks off our Sunday games, 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. The, Gow, uh, the Cowboys the Cowboys, surprised the Eagles with 27 points and the win, and Amari Cooper has been featured early on. I have to say he's about locked in as wide receiver two status as it gets, especially here versus the Falcons. They are force-feeding him the football, and while I still don't think he's the star player everybody imagined, 10 targets week to week is going to get the job done. Zeke is, a, is an obvious running back one, our close shave player of the week. And Dak has some streaming upside versus the Falcons this week. He had a rushing touchdown on top of 270 yards and a passing touchdown versus the stronger Eagles defense. Really, uh, you know, the Falcons gave up 176 yards and a touchdown Nick Chubb this past week. So God help him against Zeke and the, the Cowboys here. <laughs> uh, he's a top three running back play for me this week. Um, and as you said, Prescott has a very good high-end quarterback two streamer upside against a bad Falcons defense. Uh, but I will mention there is a little bit of risk on Prescott here. Uh, a lot of his production in recent weeks have been the result of rushing touchdowns. So any lack of scoring uh, on the ground here could limit Prescott's ceiling. 
uh, Cooper is the clear number one target since he's joined this team, and uh, you have him as a wide receiver too. I've as him uh, as a very high wide receiver three, but really just uh, nitpicking here. Uh, and then of course Beasley and Gallup remain those desperation wide, wide excuse me wide receiver fives uh, with Cooper and Zeke being the clear top targets uh, in this passing game. For the Falcons, Atlanta was beaten soundly by the new look Browns with Greg Williams. Very embarrassing, uh, though Julio Jones did score for a second week in a row. Good for him. Matt Ryan is a low-end quarterback one this week. Both running backs were a bit disappointing this week, but I think they should be fine here. Tevin Coleman has more upside, but they're fairly close. Coleman is a low-end running back two, maybe borderlining flex at this point, honestly. Uh, Smith, just an upside running back three. Um, Matt Ryan passed the ball 52 times to catch up with Cleveland, and that tanked the running backs this week. We do typically see them get more work. Uh, Dallas has been playing playing better on defense, but I expect the uh, Falcons to bounce back at home here, preserving some solid flex floor for both Sanu and Ridley here. Yeah, not a whole lot to add to what you said here. Um, I prefer Sanu over Ridley. Uh, you know, Ridley's been quiet lately after some big games earlier this season. Uh, and also just Ertz had a field day against Dallas uh, even before that garbage time stat padding. So uh, I like Hooper a lot as a low-end tight end one play this week uh, with a lot of upside. Uh, he crushed it against Cleveland, another team that struggles to cover the tight end, so you certainly love him here. Uh, and then call me crazy, but the Falcons are struggling on both sides of the football right now, offense and defense. And Dallas looks reinvigorated you know, even with those offensive line injuries. I just think that Zeke is going to eat here, and the Cowboys are going to steal another narrow win on the road. Oh, um, he's a hungry man, that's true, but I think the Falcons are going to take care of business at home. It's going to be a high-scoring close game, though. All right, we'll see. Uh, Carolina at Detroit. Carolina could not get it done versus Pittsburgh, but their stars gave you a fine day. Uh, Detroit hasn't been good anywhere on defense, but neither have the Steelers been. Uh, and, and their highest-scoring wide receiver here, Devin Funches, went three catches, five targets, 32 yards. Start him at your own risk. Greg Olson is a low-end tight end one. Cam is a one. And Christian McCaffrey had an awesome day. 14 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown, plus five catches, 61 yards, and two touchdowns receiving. He is finding the end zone frequently lately. Uh, DJ Moore failed to take another step forward this week. But something has to give sooner or later. Uh, keep him in free agency, not on your bench, but but watch this game. I actually do like Funches this week as a wide receiver three with a lot of upside. Uh, Detroit secondary is really awful right now. And, you know, Carolina struggled against Pittsburgh, but Detroit doesn't have nearly the kind of pass rush that Pittsburgh was able to throw at Cam here. So I'm not too worried about Funches. Uh, certainly for the same reasons I think Cam will have plenty of time to throw he'll do well and of course he adds yards on the ground and then uh, McCaffrey's just been amazing so you're certainly starting him uh, and then f finally you know DJ Moore just to mention him uh, he's been a boomer bust guy but he's got that game breaking ability so depending on where Cam decides to go go with the ball here um, that secondary may not be able to catch up to Moore uh, with their with their injuries here uh, and then one final note, too, on Greg Olson. Uh, if the Olson owner added him off the waiver wire for depth or something, and he happened to hit on another tight end or he drafted a stud tight end, 
maybe it's worth inquiring about Greg Olson because he's been one of the few reliable tight end ones every week. And if he is just sitting on the bench for another playoff contender who needs help on, at a different area and you need help at Olson, uh, I think he's a perfect target because a lot of the Kittle, Kelsey, and Gronk owners are not going to be selling those guys. An excellent point. Uh, if you want to go ahead and take a look at those uh, those that playoff matchup that Carolina has coming up, I think it's uh, I think they've got both Tampa Bay and the Saints in there. I don't have it pulled up right now, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe that. Um, hold on, let me. I got it right here. I, I guess it's worth. I guess, it's, I guess that's big enough news to be worth mentioning, huh? Yeah. So uh, not even that, <laughs> to, but to worth, you know, worth looking up the actual uh, thing. Yeah, really five of the next six weeks are, are amazing matchups. You've got uh, Greg Olson faces Detroit, uh, Seattle, which, you know, not great, but uh, not, not exactly the Legion of Boom as in years past. And then starting week 13, the last week of the regular season for a lot of leagues, uh, at Tampa Bay, uh, week 14 at Cleveland, uh, week 15. That's uh, what it was. Yeah, week 15 at home against New Orleans, and then week 16 at home against Atlanta. So all those teams are uh, <laughs> certainly going to be you know high-scoring games here. Uh, you know, Olsen could be a league winner down down the line here. Absolutely. As for the uh, Lions, don't know about how many league winners are coming off this team. Uh, the Lions just look like crap for the majority of games lately. Uh, Stafford is a quarterback, too, for sure, uh, at best. I mean, he's a two. He's not a three, but whatever. The offense is shaky at best with, without Golden Tate, and all their production was late in the game once it was basically wrap up, wrapped up versus the Bears. 42 pass attempts, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Kenny Galladay, six of seven for 78 and a touchdown. He's a wide receiver, too, this week. Uh, Marvin Jones, three for seven with 55. I think he's not going to make it back to play this week, leaving... Galladay all by his lonesome uh, as the, as the wide, uh, in the wide receiver core. Carryon Johnson is actually leading the uh, running backs, though, still, thankfully, with 14 carries, 51 yards and a touchdown, plus six catches, six targets, 38 yards and a design screen touchdown for a pretty nice day. Uh, he's a higher-end running back, too, for now. The Riddick did see six catches on seven targets for 60, recept- uh, 60 yards receiving. Wow. I'm, these Lions, man, they're just scratching my tongue out of my throat. Um, I'm not relying on Theoretic just yet, but the loss of Marvin Jones might mean an uptick of, of pass catches for both Carrion Johnson and Theoretic, I think. Well, I, I believe Marvin Jones hyperextended his knee, right? So I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, we haven't heard, or excuse me, actually, um, a bone bruise, that's what I meant. But it sounds like, you know, he didn't uh, tear or sprain any ligaments. So, uh, you know, we'll see. He may or may not be able to play in this game. I don't think it's going to be a multi-game absence. Uh, it doesn't sound super serious. Uh, of course, we don't know, uh, you know, the exact situation. But regardless here, I do agree that Kenny Galladay is going to be the better play, even if Jones is active. Uh, but I think that if he plays, you can still trust Marvin Jones, too, because we saw that the Carolina secondary is burnable deep, and Jones has historically been that deep threat for Stafford. Um, But, you know, speaking of Stafford, I actually dropped him a couple weeks ago in in the only one quarterback league where I had owned him. Uh, This Lions offense is just nowhere near as good. They're struggling without Golden Tate. Uh, They clearly want to run the ball as much as possible as well, have a more balanced offense. So, this is all really limiting Stafford's upside, and I honestly don't think he needs to be owned in shallower 10- or 12-team redraft formats. 
Um, as for the running backs here, uh, certainly you like to see on Johnson's involvement in the passing game. He should be a fairly safe flex or RB2 uh, with a lot of upside here. Uh, I think it's still going to be a little bit boomer bust for him, uh, but you know he has that opportunity. And I think I'm a little bit higher on Theo Riddick for you as well. Uh, I see him as a fairly reliable PPR flex play. Uh, he's very involved in the passing game, even with on Johnson taking away a few targets. Um, I think he's, he'll have enough targets going forward without Tate here to see a decent stat line every week. Of course, that said, I will take the Panthers at home. I think they're going to bounce back after that beatdown in Pittsburgh, and I think they're going to lay the smackdown on the Lions in turn. Yeah, I I think the Lions are... I, I think Matt Patricia's tanking. I think he's doing a thinly veiled job of it, um, just ripping this team apart and you know, going Gruden style, rip it down and then try and build it up with this, something he wants it to look like. Um, so I, Carolina's only favored like three points in Vegas right now. I, I guess it's because they're on the road, but I don't think this one's going to be close. Yeah, I don't think so either. And speaking of tanking, uh, is there really anything even to rip down? When's the last time the Lions won the NFC North? Yeah, that's That's an excellent point. But, you know, just like the... The Phoenix. Everybody has to have their day. I don't know. I got nothing for you. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Tennessee at Indianapolis. Corey Davis was on fire. Seven catches, ten targets, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Jonu Smith, the tight end, went three catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. And Derrick Henry proved us wrong. Levin carries 58 yards, two touchdowns, including a direct wildcat snap touchdown. These are the things that can happen if Mario, Marcus Mariota plays well. This is what we saw for this team preseason happening. I, I, I'm not trusting it just yet, even against this Indianapolis defense. Uh, Deion Lewis actually disappointed this game, and you can call me a moron. I'm, again, leaning to only starting him in the flex. This is a team that gives us surprise good days, not surprise bad days like most other teams, and I refuse to be that reactive to this one game versus the Patriots who probably looked right through this team to the bye week. Uh, let's face it, the Pats have no comp- competition for their division. It doesn't matter much to them. There, there's something weird about Belichick losing to to guys who used to work for him or played for him this year, Patricia and, and Vrabel on these awful teams. I, I don't know if there's more to it there. there. There's always something fishy going on with the Patriots, and I think this sort of smells. I think you're just reading too much into it because really what happened there was Tennessee's offensive line and defensive line really just dominated that game. Uh, You know, the Patriots lost two of their starting offensive linemen there. Uh, They were playing without both of them for most of that game. You know, I think that this offensive line is the strength of the Titans' offense, and really that's going to carry them all up. Uh, you know, I like Mariota here as a high-end QB too. Uh, however, you know, speaking of offensive and defensive lines, I do think the Colts' defensive line is good enough to get him and stop the run. So I don't love the upside here. Uh, and then Corey Davis, he's been seeing a huge target share all season, but they're finally starting to convert those targets into catches and fantasy points. I like Davis as a high-end wide receiver three here uh, with lots of upside. And I also like Deion Lewis more than you. Uh, I think this will be a close game. Lewis got nearly twice as many carries as Derrick Henry against the Patriots, despite Henry punching in those touchdowns. Uh, and Lewis is also more involved in the passing game, so I like him as a mid to low end RB two. And I still do like Derrick Henry, but he's really just a boom or bust flex here, depending on if he punches in another score or two. I don't know that I trust Janu Smith yet, you know either. Um, 
he's had two weeks in a row now with touchdowns and the Colts do struggle against opposing tight ends. So I, I think Smith will be an interesting streaming tight end too here, but certainly risk reward. And then finally, just to bring up a trade target uh, or two, I would try and buy Deion Lewis and Corey Davis if possible. Uh, I know you're not as high on Lewis as I am, but they are the main pieces here of this offense with the most upside uh, if this unit continues to improve over the second half of the season. Uh, you said the word like a few too many times for a team that put up like one good game this week against a bad defense. I, I, I just don't. No, I'm, I, I don't think so. No. Okay, uh, I, I see it differently. I think we've seen a trend now two weeks in a row where this offense has been playing better, and you know I'm kind of buying in here. All right. As for Indianapolis, uh, Indy snuck past the Jaguars by three points. Vegas was actually right on the spot with that one. Uh, Andrew Luck tossed three touchdowns. He should be fine again here. Uh, Marlon Mack went 12 carries, 29 yards, with just two catches for nine yards. And I really hope you tried to sell him high after those two big games, like we'd mentioned before. Um, Hines was in for three carries plus three receptions. Wilkins got a carry. Though Mack will still be a low-end running back, too. He's going to lead this backfield in touches. Uh, Eric Ebron scored another three touchdowns. Three. Including one rushing, and he solidified his spot as a tight end one. I, I don't know how you can how you can ignore him anymore. Uh, he's and he, He's just as good as any mid to low end tight end one. Um, otherwise it's just T Y Hilton for me as a wide receiver too. <laughs> oh, I, I can and will ignore Ebron as a tight end one because <laughs> I don't think he is. Uh, you know, those three touchdowns are incredibly fluky. I know Andrew Luck has a habit of targeting his tight ends in the red zone, uh, but you got Jack Doyle there. You got Eric Swope potentially coming back at some point. I just don't think that the scoring rate and is sustainable. Cox scored a touchdown, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, really, Luck just looks for his tight ends. He doesn't care who it is, and it just so happened to be Ebron here. He's still a high end tight end two for me. Clearly, he's the preferred guy, but Luck does spread it around a fair amount. Um, Doyle, of course, just a low end tight end two for now. I don't know that you can really start him, but then again, maybe Doyle gets three touchdowns this week. Who knows? Um, I, I mean, we're we're ten weeks in. And Eric Ebron is the tight end three. Sure, but how many of those weeks came when Doyle was out? That that's yeah, that's how I'm enough. looking at it. Um, yeah. I mean, you're not you're not dropping Ebron, nothing like that. But I'm just saying he's not yeah. he's not one of those guys I'd lock in as a top five or six guy every week. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. But but everybody else has just been so crappy, and here he goes. Like, all right, I guess I'm just gonna still catch touchdowns, even though I'm in like. 20% of the plays. Yeah, and you know what? You could certainly be right. So we've seen people beat the odds before, but I just don't I just don't see this kind of scoring rate continuing here. Um, I'd but, probably sell him. That's that's the only play here. It's just sell this guy. Yeah, but again, you know, the the trade targets I've been bringing up here, I, I've been trying to avoid those, you know, clearly buy these guys because you know, whenever whenever people say that, you know, everyone who's smart enough to listen to podcasts and read read articles, and, and you know, they know they're not going to try and buy Ebron right now for you know a, a crazy price. Uh, I feel like it's more difficult to to sell high on guys than than most people think. What if uh, the Gronk owner really needs a win or something? Yeah, I mean, or a Jordan Reed owner, he was drafted, I think, uh, tight end six this year. Uh, you like read more than I do too, so maybe oh, wait, that's not no, a that's great stupid. example. That, never mind. Well, 
I, if there was something else on their team, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very situationally dependent here. Uh, by the way, Matt Breda with a touchdown. Uh, my team, who one of my teams that scored 180 points uh, this week, just got a little bit better, I guess. There we go. Um, so back to Tennessee here, the or excuse me, Indy here. Um, again, I, I think this comes down to a battle of the offensive and defensive lines. I think both teams are, are pretty good here in that respect. You know, the Titans really dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides against the Patriots, but I think the Colts are going to win those battles here. Um, for that reason, I luck, I excuse me, I like Luck as a mid-range QB one. Um, you know, really, uh, you know, the, excuse me, the Patriots and Brady struggled against the Titans secondary, but it was really the defensive line getting that pressure on Brady that uh, resulted in that. I don't think the secondary by itself is that good, and I think Luck's going to have plenty of time to throw. And for that reason, I like Hilton as a low-end wide receiver one this week. I think he's going to have a huge game. Uh, If you can buy Hilton, I would try and trade for him as soon as possible. He's one of my top trade targets across all my leagues. The Colts have a great schedule outside of Jacksonville again in Week 13. Um, You know, I I think Hilton could be one of those guys who's a wide receiver one down the stretch here. And then, as you said, I remembered not liking uh, Indy's playoff schedule, but I could be completely misremembering. Uh, well, I mean, what's, what's not to like though, because after this, you got Miami, uh, they don't scare you. And then, no, they don't, you know, I, I mentioned Jacksonville well, I again, mean, Z- week 13. Z- Z- Howard is, is one of the better corners and he'll be on Hilton mostly. He is, but I, I think Hilton's better than that. I, and you know, I don't think well, he's sure. a lockdown guy uh, by any means. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I don't love Jacksonville again in week 13, but after that, look at the playoff schedule. You've got the Houston Texans. Uh, their cornerback, uh, you know, depth chart is just dot destroyed by injuries. Um, you know, the Cowboys, uh, they don't scare you that much. And then they finish out the year if you make it to the title game uh, playing at home against the Giants. So Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I don't know why I misremembered that. Yeah, but, I mean, that's it just I, for me, I, I see Hilton as one of those top ten guys down the down the stretch here, assuming he stays healthy. Definitely talented. Yep. Um, and then you mentioned Mac. Uh, you know, I think we're in the same boat here. Uh, he's not going to have those huge, huge games that he did against Oakland, but uh, he's certainly still the clear lead back here for now. So he's still an RB two on volume alone. Um, yeah, give me the Colts at home. I too will take the Colts at home. Not looking for lightning to strike twice for those guys. Uh, Tampa Bay yet the New York Giants. Fitz Magic was less than magical this week. Less Harry Potter, more dollar store trick card deck. 400 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and a lost fumble. It's hard to know what to expect versus the Giants, but there are better options out there at quarterback this week. As I'm sure you could guess, the rest of the stats were all screwy, too. Uh, Chris Godwin led with seven catches, 103 yards. Deshaun Jackson, five for 67. Evans, just three for 51. And Howard and Brate, just one catch, 15 yards apiece. Uh, on top of that, Jacquez Rogers was the top performing running back with eight catches, 102 re- uh, receiving yards. Ronald Jones, nowhere to be seen. And Peyton Barber, just 13 carries, 61 yards. This is a team in flux. Uh, I don't know that we won't see Jameis back this year, and, and I don't want to rely on anybody here. That said, I'd stick with Mike Evans. Um, Howard isn't any more upsetting than most other tight ends have been this year, so I'd stick with him. Yeah, I, I still like Fitzpa- or excuse me, um, Fitzpatrick on the road this week. Uh, really, 
So one of the things I didn't realize until after the fact was that Dirk Cutter took over play calling duties this past week over Todd Monken. Um, and it was pretty ugly to watch. Uh, Tampa Bay really, really struggled on offense here. We don't know yet if Dirk Cutter is going to remain the offensive play caller, but even... I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That was a lot of fun. Three, four hundred yards and three and uh, three points. That, that's something you don't see every t- every that's, week. That's the kind of record you don't want to be setting in the NFL. <laughs> um, but regardless, you know we we don't know if the Bucks just need more time to get used to this change in play calling. Uh, for now, we I would downgrade Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit, but he's still a high risk, high reward quarterback too. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I would probably still start Fitzpatrick over guys like Matthew Stafford and Andy Dalton this week. I think he's got the same kind of floor, but much higher upside. Would Would you agree with that? Yeah, those two, I agree absolutely. Okay, so I mean, yeah, so you still have Fitzpatrick in that high end quarterback two area, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not starting him over anybody that you've drafted to be your quarterback, but I mean, the guy is going to go out there and throw 400 yards. That that is a given. Right. Um, and, you know, Fitzpatrick always seems to add some rushing carries uh, as well. Um, you know, he gets those rushing touchdowns here and there, too. So that certainly helps his upside. Yep. Uh, of course, you know, Evans, I do have him downgraded to a boomer bust wide receiver, too. Uh, he's just been very inconsistent the last couple weeks. But that said, uh, I would still be buying Mike Evans if their owner is panicking after these down games. Uh, despite the lack of production, Evans is still getting a lot of targets, and if Cutter gets fired or if Cutter gets better, it's really a win-win for Mike Evans, right? I it's got to be. Yeah, I, I mean, so w- you know, would you be buying Evans? Do you agree with that? There. Yeah, I, I'm an Evans guy, absolutely. Okay. Um, and then, you know, as for the rest, who knows right now, someone out of Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, or Adam Humphreys is going to have a big game here against the Giants, but who knows? Uh, I, I would prefer them in the order that I just mentioned them in, Jackson, then Godwin, then Humphreys, but they're all really just boomer bust wide receiver four kind of guys. And then Howard is still a tight end one. Uh, you know, he's a low end tight end one with risk reward here, but uh, I, I do think that the upside still warrants, uh, you know, ranking him in that area. And then finally, uh, I definitely would ignore that outlier game from Jaquiz Rogers. I don't know what happened there, but uh, it, it's like, uh, what is it, Anton Smith, that one guy in the Falcons a, a couple years back who just seemed mm-hmm. to have random games, and, you know, you, you don't yep. want to trust that here. Uh, yeah, that's all I got on the Tampa Bay side here. Yeah, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I think Tampa Bay is going to produce a ton of numbers. I just, I mean, I just don't know where they're going to come from. So, so yeah, your your guys definitely have the upside that remains. Um, as for the Giants tonight, we get the joys of Giants versus Niners. Niners, uh, but versus Tampa, I think we have some good upside for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Barkley. Of course, there should also be plenty of openings in this defense for Angram and Shepard as well. Uh, this this could actually be a good Eli Manning game if you're desperate. Well, that depends because I firmly believe that if the Giants lose here tonight, I think we'll see Kyle Lalletta. Um And the reason oh. for that is because if you're going to be done this season anyway and you want to see what your rookie quarterback has, why not give him some help? Start him against the worst secondary in the league for his first career start. You know, help him along. Give him an easy matchup. And I think if they lose here, what do they have to lose with going to Lalletta? I think that's a great point. Uh, I, I would hold them in about the same regard as a uh, spot start for this week. Um, I don't think it changes much for the team. 
Right. And, you know, that's exactly what I was about to say, too. He took the words right out of my mouth. I don't think Lawletta versus Manning is going to have a huge impact on any of these guys. Uh, you know, Beckham and Barkley are still going to be studs here. Um, really, I think the only guy it might downgrade slightly would be Sterling Shepard because he does play uh, those option routes sometimes, uh, you know, those timing routes where Lawletta may not have that chemistry quite yet. As for uh, who I'm picking this week, um, this one took me the most deliberation, but I'm going to stick with the Buccaneers. Um, the Giants, I think I think they're going to quit, and I think the Bucks are just going to keep on throwing for yardage. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has no quit in him. Yeah, this one was a tough call for me too, um, but as I've mentioned before, when it's that close, I'll generally err on the side of the home team here, uh, so I will take the Giants. Current line is basically a pick em. Uh Houston at Washington. Houston got a week to work in their new weapon, uh, Demarius Thomas. I think they're going to be okay here versus uh, versus Washington. Watson's a quarterback one. Hopkins is a clear wide receiver one who will see a tougher, ta- uh, tougher day versus Washington, but still be fine. Miller is in a clear time, sure. A low-end running back two with who knows what we'll get from Al Blue taken away from him. Uh, the biggest thing to watch here is the recovery of Kiki Cutie. If he's not healed, I like Demarius Thomas as a wide receiver, too, low end. Um, if he is, they're both wide receiver threes with some hopeful upside. Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to get from Alfred Blue. If I start Alfred Brill, excuse me, Blue, he's going to get 14 carries for 37 yards. And if I yeah. don't start Alfred Blue, he's going to have eight carries for three touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, really, though, uh, not a whole lot to add to what you said about the Houston players here. Uh, just that it sounds like Kiki QT is quote unquote trending upward from that hamstring injury. So, certainly something to monitor this week if you own either him or Demarius Thomas. Uh, you know, as I said, I don't love Alfred Blue or Lamar Miller here, but we saw what Jaquiz Rogers was able to do uh, against the Washington linebackers. Uh, they're not covering receiving running backs uh, too well right now. For that reason, I would prefer Lamar Miller in PPR. Uh, I do have him as a high-end RB3 or flex here. Uh, quite a few running backs on by this week. Do you like cuties? I do. Um I, I yeah, there's, think... there's this weird push I think I've come across where people are saying that cuties just aren't good. They're wrong. I don't know who these idiots are. They're delicious. They're amazing. You can stick three in your pocket. You go have a lunch. You, you drop three oranges, and, and you're having a day. You're protecting yourself from, from flu season with, with your citric acid, and you've got, and you've got healthy fruits. I, I have no response to that. <laughs> uh, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, all that vitamin C and, and a fun little package. That's right. Speaking of a fun little package, the Washington Redskins and Alex Smith turned in an awesome Bucks turned an awesome Bucks matchup into wait for it 180 yards and one touchdown passing again not getting done Alex not getting it done Alex uh, though they did win with their defense all over Ryan Fitzpatrick though it may have had more to do with Dirk Cutter than anything else uh, Maurice Harris did lead the team well with five catches 52 yards in yardage and Josh Doxson scored another rare touchdown. Granted, this was all again without Jamison Crowder muddying the picture, and you are not playing this wide receiver dartboard game versus Houston, I hope. Uh, Crowder's probably going to be back. Expect everybody's uh, target share to drop to a cap of four, maybe four targets. Uh, Adrian Peterson was held to just 19 carries, 68 yards, which has more to do with the Skins losing four of their starting linemen than actually Adrian Peterson. Um, He's a low-end running back, too, this week. 
he'll probably still see the ball 20 times, which is good for depth. Um, I, I don't know. I, I might still be, I might be trying to downplay the badness here for Adrian Peterson as a guy who just traded for him in my dynasty league two weeks ago. Um, I traded for him as depth and, you know, a workhorse running back still doesn't upset me as a guy who I might need in a pinch if, if all else fails and my running backs all get hurt. Yeah, I don't think you need to drop Peterson, but uh, I have him as just a flex or RB3 this week. I don't love this matchup. Uh, I think, uh, honestly, I think J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney are going to eat this week. Um, I just don't see him doing a ton on the ground, and I'm not sure that Washington's going to get many goal line opportunities here for him either. Uh, keep an eye on Jameson Crowder and Chris Thompson's injury status. Uh, both would be interesting flex plays if they're back. Uh, Smith is likely to check down a ton here. I'm sure he's going to be under a lot of pressure this week. And if Crowder remains out, I do think Harris is interesting as a boomer bust wide receiver four in PPR. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Reed remains just a high-end tight end two for me. Uh, he keeps getting some targets, but he's just not doing much with them. And if you had told me that Jordan Reed uh, would be healthy this year and not good in fantasy, uh, I would have told you you're crazy. Either he's hurt or he's dominating. But uh, we're seeing here maybe all those injuries just finally took a toll here. Houston uh, is not a great matchup for tight ends either. But, uh, you know, really with the disparity of, of quarterback quality here between Deshaun Watson and Alex Smith, two completely different guys, uh, I will take the better team with the better quarterback here, which is Houston. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Houston as well. Uh, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, one thing I wouldn't do if, if you were, I don't know if anybody is as crazy as uh, one of these hosts of this show, but don't go out of your way to uh, pick up Vernon Davis and, and start him. I'm hoping for magic to happen. Just, just, just don't do that. Did Did you do that? Oh yeah, that 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 didn't work out so hot. But uh, luckily, I had a lot of other guys pick me up this week. But you know, I I was in a bad Gronk situation. Of course, got taken out, and I was sitting there with Evan Ingram, and I was like, you know what? Evan Ingram has not made me very happy so far this year. I have not followed his stats this game because I'm sure he's not going to make me happy again yet today but i was like eh, vernon davis he's been coming through they run a lot of two tight end stuff maybe they'll be king on jordan reed maybe he'll sneak in but no zero catches on on one target ah you know who i started in place of gronk in a league who uh austin hooper oh well austin hooper was not available in this one but if he was i would have taken <laughs> i'm sure you would have but certainly uh, i agree not not a whole lot of faith in vernon davis he will have a couple blow-up games i'm sure in, yeah. for the rest of the season but good luck trying to guess uh, which game it's going to be speaking of tight ends pittsburgh has two tight ends that score touchdowns pittsburgh at jacksonville this week the steelers scored uh, wait 52- hold on here uh you're taking houston right yeah, we said. I said that. Didn't oh, I, I don't think I did. I say you did. We both did. Oh man, this I've just been winning so much this week that it's got me all loopy. I get that. I get that. Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. The Steelers scored fifty-two points versus Carolina. No real news here, though. To take uh, Road Ben is always a concern, but the Jags have allowed a lot of points scored lately. He's a low-end quarterback one for me this week with Brown and Juju not finding their way on your bench either. Um, but maybe try to use a higher upside flex just in case if the Jaguars can shut them down. Those corners are are pretty good. They do have days where they show up quite well. The Le'Veon Bell watch continues. I'm hopeful 
but not optimistic. Uh, either way, you have a low end running back one in James Conner this week. Avoid the tight ends. Jaguars have actually been playing pretty good against them this year, despite both Vance McDonald and Jesse James scoring a touchdown this week. Yeah, so uh, as I've said the last few weeks, I don't think there's any chance Le'Veon Bell shows up this year, uh, especially with the news now that Pittsburgh is going to have to tag him around $25 million next year, even if he doesn't play at all this season. I just don't think at this point it's worth it for him because basically the whole point of showing up was that so he could up his tag amount uh, if they did, but it's not gonna it's gonna happen anyway. So why would he need to risk his health here? Um, yeah, why was everybody wrong about that contract franchise tag situation? So everybody had reported that he needed to report this year, this this week, and and that's what we've all been waiting for for him to report this week because if he didn't report this week, he would not get gain eligibility as a player for this year and he would still be franchise tagged under the same number with the Steelers next year. Now all of a sudden everybody's saying that isn't the case anymore. What happened? Well, this right here is why you don't do what Lamar Jackson did. Uh you go out and hire a an agent who knows all this contract stuff because there there are a ton of random little sections of the CBA that I'm sure very few people know. Um, I'm, it's kind of like the NFL in general, right? Like that random little rule where uh, if you fumble, you know, through the back of the end zone, that's you know that's a touchback for the other team. Um, it, it's one of those little things that I, I guess everybody just overlooked, and certainly you know we we don't know. Uh, the contract situations quite as well as NFL agents, but it sounds like in this case they didn't even know. So, um, it's yeah. so frustrating because this is stuff that everybody watches. Adam Schefter had this wrong. Ian Rappaport had this wrong. And what are we supposed to rely on if these guys can't even do their jobs right? Uh, we pray to the fantasy gods, is what we do. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Yeah, and speaking of praying to the fantasy gods, if you own Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster, that's what you're doing this week because it's a tough matchup for them, but you're not benching them. At least I'm not. Uh, You're starting Brown as a mid-range wide receiver one, even with tough coverage here. And I would downgrade Juju to a mid to low end wide receiver too. I think he's got a lower ceiling and a lower floor here. Uh, Certainly not going to see a wide open 70 yard touchdown again like he did against Carolina, but I think he can still be productive. However, I think this is going to be a big, big James Conner week. Uh, Assuming he comes back from the concussion, uh, they do have 10 days, so hopefully he will be all right. Uh, He gets those extra few days to recover here. The reason I say that is because Pittsburgh's offensive line is just dominating right now. And if if I'm Mike Tomlin, I want to limit opportunities for the Jaguars to sack or pick off Big Ben by running the football. And I think James Conner can get it done on the ground. And yes, Jacksonville has been good against both opposing quarterbacks and tight ends, but I think Ben Roethlisberger will be okay on the road here. Uh, He's just a high-end quarterback too for me, but I don't think you need to bench him depending on what your options are. And same with uh, Vance McDonald, you know. (laughs) Again, the Jaguars have been good against tight ends, but Ebron scored three times last week. McDonald is at least a high-end tight end, too, just given his ability in the middle of the field. What about what if there's a nightmare scenario here, though, if, and uh, James Conner doesn't get through concussion protocol? Are you going to tilt one way on Jalen Samuels or Stephen Ridley? Or, or do you I, – I don't I, – I mean, there's production to be had there. It's just – it's scary. If you're desperate, um, 
if those are your only two options, I would go with Ridley. I think Samuels is going to be more the receiving back, and I think they're going to want to pound it on the ground here, and I think Ridley would be that guy. All right. As for the Jags, uh, they lost a close game versus the Colts. Um, the Steelers have a higher-powered offense and at least one good corner in Joe Hayden. Uh, Bortles has been too scary this year to rely on. There's been a few too many downs compared to his ups that we're used to seeing. Uh, Dante Moncrief won the Jags wide receiver roulette this week. Three catches, four targets, 98 yards, including a big 80-yard touchdown. But D.D. Westbrook had 10 targets, and I expect him to outscore Dante this week if you're desperate in the flex. Um don't get me wrong, Moncrief is the one, but I expect him to see Joe Hayden, and I, and I think uh, I think Didi continues to see those underneath targets. Um, Fournette was finally healthy and got a running back one's worth of carries, 24 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown, plus five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Not hugely efficient rushing the football, but he will find his groove, and he got the usage to score two touchdowns. They want to work this offense through him completely. He's a running back one this week, and his leg looked great. T.J. Yeldon is still worth stashing on the bench, though, just in case anything pops up with uh, with Leonard Fournette's hamstring. We've been burned too many times before. I do not have Fournette as a running back one. Uh, I like him no. a lot as a high end running back two. Uh, I think you know he's going to see a ton of volume both on the ground and in the passing game, which gives him a high floor and ceiling here. But uh, simply because Pittsburgh's defense, well, what more do you want? <laughs> I mean, Pittsburgh's defensive line has been so good. Uh, you know, they really they let uh, they allowed a big game to Christian McCaffrey, um, but I just don't see that for Fournette. Uh, two of McCaffrey's three touchdowns were passing touchdowns, where he kind of glided out into the flat and then turned up the field. Uh, while Fournette does get targets in the receiving game, uh, he's not quite that kind of back. I don't see him having the same level of success here. Um, but as I said, uh, I'm nitpicking a little bit. I do have him uh, around running back 13 or 14, I believe, in my rankings. So just on the edge of running back one territory here. Um, I definitely wouldn't start Bortles, though. I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure from Watt and company. And I don't love any of the wide receivers. Uh, I think Westbrook and, and Moncrief are the two guys here. But again, like you said, it's really wide receiver roulette in Jacksonville and uh, I don't think there's a particular matchup here to be exploited, and I don't know that Hayden's going to follow Moncrief around or anything like that. Um, I still prefer Moncrief the most out of these guys as a boomer bust wide receiver four. And then, uh, you know, the Steelers made a statement game against Carolina, and I think that they're going to show that it was for real this week. Uh, give me Pittsburgh two in a row. I will take the Steelers as well. Um, Cincinnati at Baltimore. The Bengals got uh, run out of their own stadium by the Saints. as They only managed 14 points without A.J. Green and now face a tough Baltimore defense on the road. I'd avoid Dalton here, and Baltimore will either focus on Boyd or Ross, keeping them at best wide receiver three options this week. Um, it's just Joe Mixon for me as the running back two. A.J. Green's absence really changes uh, this team, and this is not a Baltimore defense to get tricky against at this point of the season. Uh, look elsewhere for your flexes. Yeah, we talked about this last week. Uh, A.J. Green's absence really downgrades this entire Bengals offense, and I agree. It's really just Mixon and Boyd right now. Ross is a boomer bust wide receiver five. Uh, he had that touchdown, but really not not many catches. Um I don't know that there's a whole lot to talk about here on Cincinnati. You're, you're not starting Dalton, and you're not starting any of the other guys. No, sir. Uh, hopefully he can get his job back, right? 
He yeah. Will. Well, the other uh, thing is, you know, who's really disappointed is CJ Uzelma. I, I, I was very high on him yeah. for quite a few weeks, and that was a bad call by me. I really thought that just, you know, <laughs> because of all the targets he was going to get here, that he would do something, but he hasn't. I, I, you are absolutely right, and he's not going to do anything against Baltimore either. Uh, Baltimore got a week to get this their team together. Flacco is attempting to heal his hip here. Uh, and this is a team that badly needs a win right now. Uh, that said, I think the defense will get it done as coaching will try to manage the game with Alex Collins' rushes and some short wide receiver catches. My favorite plays this week are Collins as a flex and Willie Sneed as a good floor PPR wide receiver. Um, also just the flex. The most upside is with John Brown, who has disappeared of late, and he has seen tough coverage defensively as of late as well, though. Uh, I don't know if Cincinnati quite has... Um, the guys to muster up to uh, take him out of the game altogether. See, I don't think that the crutches are a good sign for Joe Flacco, and I think even if he's healthy enough to start, that's going to be the excuse that Baltimore can use to start Lamar Jackson. I think we see Jackson this week. Um, Uh-oh. Based on that assumption, uh, I like Jackson as a high-end quarterback too. Um, that rushing upside really helps his ceiling. And then... I like Alex Hollins, too. I think he's a high-end running back three. Uh, you know, a mobile quarterback always helps the running back around him. And I agree that Willie Sneed is an okay floor PPR wide receiver three or flex, but I think John Brown's got upside here. You know, Jackson's got the arm. Uh, maybe we'll see more accuracy down the field from him than we have from Flacco. Uh, I like John Brown as a high-end wide receiver three, uh, maybe even a low-end wide receiver two. Cincinnati's secondary has really struggled as of late. I will take Baltimore at home. I think y'all could have guessed that from that analysis. Yep, same here. 1-0 and for Lamar Jackson in starts, right? Oakland at Arizona kicking off the 405 Eastern game. Um, well, actually, I think there's only one 405 Eastern game. The other two are 430. I don't know. Now I don't remember. Yeah, the mid-afternoon um, the, games. It's two 4 o'clock and one 430, or is it? do I have that flipped? Uh, I don't know. Close enough. Just get your lineup yeah. set by four. Yeah, you don't want to exactly. take that chance. Exactly. Um, Oakland at Arizona. The Raiders are looking not so hot. Six points against the Chargers. Clearly going for the first overall pick for John Gruden. All that said, I think there's some legitimate upside with Doug Martin as the running back too, just due to the matchup here versus Arizona. It's not pretty, but it's there. Uh, then Richard as a PPR flex and Cook as a low-end tight end one, better in PPR than standard. This team just doesn't score touchdowns anymore, though. Yeah, and uh, I, I do think if there's going to be a week for Doug Martin, it's going to be this week. Um, and then the other thing, too, is Martavis Bryant suffered a PCL injury. I do think this will help Jared Cook a little bit. Um, I, I still wouldn't really touch Jordy Nelson, just a wide receiver five. He might get a few more targets here or there, but they've really done nothing with them. Uh, the one thing I will say is Seth Roberts. Uh, he's had chemistry with Derek Carr in the past. And, you know, who knows? if you're? I, I wouldn't start him in a season-long league, but I think Seth Roberts is an interesting name for uh, DFS tournaments here. Uh, if there's anything Arizona can do, it's their secondary, though, with Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson. Yeah, I, I just, you know, Seth Roberts has had those random blow-up games. And, You're right. You're absolutely you know, right about it's that. Just, it, it's more of a gut call than anything. I, I just, I feel like this is going to be one of those weird games. All right. Call, call on your shot. I like it. Uh, for Arizona, the Cardinals actually held their own to a point versus Kansas City, holding them to just 
26 points. Um, Oakland is awful. Oakland is on the road. Oakland will give up by the third quarter. And David Johnson just gave us 21 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown with seven catches, 85 yards, and a receiving touchdown. A clear running back one day, and I fully expect a repeat this week versus Oakland. Larry Fitzgerald became the number two all-time reception yards leader off of 16 catches, 50 yards, and he's a decent PPR wide receiver three play here. Uh, that's all I've got for this team for now, but they are starting to gel a bit. Yep, give me Rosen as a mid-range QB2. I uh, like Johnson, too, a low-end RB1 for me. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, a mid-range wide receiver, too. And then two guys you didn't mention. Christian Kirk had a quiet day this past week, um, but I do think he's still one of Rosen's go-to targets. I expect a bounce back for him here against this terrible Oakland secondary. Uh, I like Kirk as a mid-range wide receiver three or flex play. And then also Ricky Seals-Jones. He got a lot of targets with Chad Williams out. Uh, he's been boomer bust. Uh, he's been unreliable. But I think if Williams is out again with that ankle issue, I like RSJ as a tight end too, high end tight end too. I, get, I gave him three chances for his three names, and he's let me down three times. So I, I can't say his name again. Would, uh, I, I think he has double digit fantasy points. Wow. I will. I I'll bet you on that if you'd like. Okay, I, I say I say over on nine point nine nine. Uh, yeah, ten or less. You mean? Yeah. All right. <laughs> By nine point nine nine or less. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're, we'll take Arizona here. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Denver at the LA Chargers. Denver had a week to prepare for this divisional matchup, though not a ton changes here. Emmanuel Sanders is a good PPR wide receiver, two with wide receiver one upside in a PPR. Um, Sutton is a hold on the bench for me. He's immensely talented, but a tad handcuffed due to Case Keenum. And Philip Lindsay will be a decent running back to this week. Uh, we need to see the recovery of Royce Freeman before saying much more on him, whether he's back fully or not this week. I'm not starting him. I, I just don't think it's something worth trusting or relying on. I think Devontae Booker will still be there getting carries as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about Freeman. Uh, he he has that high ankle sprain. That is something tough to return from. And even if he's active, you know, we don't know how effective he will be. Um, yeah. Similarly, I can't talk today. Similarly, I like Sanders as a PPR wide receiver too. Um, Sutton, I don't think you need to bench him here. Uh, I think, uh, you know, really the, the coverage is going to shift towards Sanders here. Uh, Sutton, I have him as a boomer bust flex play. I, I think he could have a big game here if they uh, schemed up some plays for him as, as the number one guy. And then we see that uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, I, I think, like I said, even if Freeman's active, I think we're going to see more Lindsay this week. Uh, they do want to uh, feed him the ball a little more. Uh, he's been trending upwards in terms of carries, so I like him as a wide, or excuse me, as a running back too, with a lot of upside in this one. For the Chargers, this will be a good matchup to watch. Uh, Rivers is a high-end quarterback too. He didn't exactly light up the scoreboard versus Oakland, but he didn't have to either. Uh, Allen's a wide receiver one. He finds ways to get open. And last week, six catches, fifty-seven yards, and a touchdown. Um, I know uh, Denver does have some good corners, but Allen finds his way around the field, um, finds ways to get open quite well. Uh, Melvin Gordon is a running back one, but that's all I'm using here. Eckler had a great opportunity uh, last week uh, to get more touches, but they didn't use him to turn the game out at all, um, keeping Melvin Gordon in and touching the ball. And that was with Oakland scoring 
only three points up until fourth quarter. Um, I, I just don't see the upside here, and the Williams brothers are too streaky. If you're picking one, it's Tyrell. Yeah, all I've got to add here is uh, remember Hunter Henry uh, can be activated off of IR uh, next month. So, again, we'll talk about it more in the waiver wire section, but tight end's so messy this this year. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy that you might want to pick up preemptively. I will take the Chargers. Give me the Chargers. Philadelphia at the New Orleans Saints. Talk about a team in disarray. Uh, Carson Wentz is still giving you quarterback one numbers and will be fine here. But the number of moving pieces is just dizzying. Uh, Josh Adams was the best looking back this week. Seven carries for 47 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. And uh, Doug Peterson did say that he earned more work in the coming game. Uh, We will see. I'm not convinced that rushing the ball more with Josh Adams is really the way to keep up with the Saints team that just scored 50 points last week. Uh, And there are too many better pass-catching backs on this team. Both Clement and Smallwood are better than Adams at that. Uh, I'm avoiding all these running backs, though. The top scorer this week was actually Wendell Smallwood. Still three catches, 30 yards, plus four yards rushing. 6.4 points. Not, Not winning your week for you. Golden Tate did not do much in his first outing with the team as expected, but did see three targets, while Aguilar had the best day of the wide receivers, five for seven, 83 yards. I still lean toward Elshon Jeffrey, especially this week versus New Orleans as a wide receiver, too. They are trying to give him those high leverage targets, and there will be points aplenty this week. Last, but certainly, certainly not least, two more touchdowns for Zach Ertz on 145 yards, 16 targets for ridiculous 14 catches just ludicrous need i say more yeah so uh zach Ertz is a trade target <laughs> um, yeah absolutely <laughs> go go and get him um no i mean honestly Ertz is a monster uh you know the the only thing i really have to add here is it came out today that they want to give josh adams more carries uh he's already i think their goal line back for the most part and he doesn't get a whole lot of work in the passing game. That's the main problem here. Uh, he's kind of like a Jordan Howard type because I think, you know, while Howard gets those touchdowns, the problem is that Philadelphia is probably not going to be playing from ahead in this game or maybe not uh, a lot of their games coming up because news also came out today that Ronald Darby uh, tore his ACL. So their secondary is just absolutely uh, demolished by injuries as well. Uh, one, another one of those teams like Houston where they're really just relying on the pass rush to get home. Uh, if they have, if these guys have to cover for more than three seconds, uh, they're going to get burned here. So I like Adams as a – he's just a flex play. Uh, I Really the guy that I would prefer this week is Wendell Smallwood. I think, as you said, New Orleans is going to score a lot of points, so Philly is going to be trailing here, which is going to lead to a few more receptions in the passing game by Smallwood. And for the same reason, as you said, I like Alshon as a low-end wide receiver, too, here. Of course, you're starting Ertz. And I do like Nelson Aguilar, who finally got a deep target, converted that. I think he's going to see more work here uh, in the slot. Or, excuse me, in the slot, uh, Golden Tate is going to see more work as well. And New Orleans, uh, that's really where you want to attack them in the passing game. So I like Tate a lot. I've got him as a low-end wide receiver, too, as well. I, I, I need another week. To, for Tate to get into this offense. This isn't exactly, uh, it isn't like a sliced buttered bread offense. There's a lot of moving parts in Doug Peterson's offense, and I think Tate needs a little bit of time to catch up. I think that's the reason that we did see Jordan Matthews get 
three first down plays because he has been there. Um, now I do expect his job to be all but all but done, all completely once Golden Tate does get caught up to speed, though. Okay, that's fair. So would you say then that Tate is a trade target for you? You're assuming he's not going to do well this week either, so maybe their owner is going to be a little down on him. Oh boy, trade target. I don't really see him as better than a wide receiver three rest of season, honestly. Okay, so you're just kind of holding, uh, you're not going out of your way to get him or anything. Yeah, I'm not going out of my way to get him. Um, I don't think the guy who owns him, whoever has him, isn't going to trade him for less than Detroit gold Tate value, and you're not going to want to pay that, typically. I, do, I don't see it that happening. Okay, that's fair. Um, but if you can get him for less than that, you'd consider it. Yeah, sure, sure. If somebody really thinks that he's going to do nothing, I mean, that's just wrong. Golden Tate, I mean, he's, he's a clear-cut wide receiver, too, in PPR. Okay. Um, just not yet with this team. As for the Saints, they hung 51 points on the Bengals, and it's safe to say that they're playing for the one seed. Breeze is on fire, 265 yards, three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had 100-plus yards combined and three touchdowns. Thomas went 8-for-70 with another two touchdowns. They don't really need anybody else, but they do have Mark Ingram, who... Oh, yeah, 13 carries, 104 yards, and added three catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. He's really the first discussion point here. He will have nice weeks, but I think he's just a flex play here versus Philly. Though, if you do want to chase points, I cannot blame you one bit. The points will be there for the scoring, and Ingram Hecky, just like I told you when we were talking pregame this week, he might have two touchdowns. Um same with Ben Watson, just one catch for two yards, but he had a designed play for him to score in the end zone from the one where he unfortunately dropped a poorly thrown Taysom Hill pass. Uh, noticeably absent from the box score was Traquan Smith, zero targets. There are plenty of better options around. Um, also noticeably absent Des Bryant, who's done for the season, and not yet to be on the team, but uh, might be this week. Brandon Marshall was signed, I think. He uh, projects about the same as does as the injured does Bryant, and that means not starting for your fantasy team. Yeah, we, um, you know, as Chicago uh, residents here, we we loved Brandon Marshall when he was a Bear, but uh, we saw oh, we saw earlier this Still year uh, in Seattle that he as a you know as a wide receiver he's really not that effective anymore. Um, really, your hope here is that he's going to sort of play in that. Jimmy Graham sort of role just be that red zone target that Breeze can chuck it up to and maybe he will um, but it's going to be unreliable he's going to be very boomer bust I think he's maybe a wide receiver five until we see more uh, we will talk about Marshall on our waiver wire section but uh, again uh, not a whole lot of optimism here I don't think he's going to be a league winner by any means and then finally, I just want to bring up, I did mention Mark Ingram as a trade target last week. Uh, I expected some big weeks for him down the stretch. I didn't expect quite this big of a week. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's encouraging because one of the reasons I was a little skeptical about Ingram was I was afraid that New Orleans would use him in clear passing situations, or excuse me, clear running situations, um, and defenses would kind of stack the box. But, you know, they, they are using him in the passing game. They got him that screen pass, so that makes me a lot more optimistic as an Ingram owner. I do think he's still a trade target. Um, if you know, especially if that owner thinks this week was a little fluky, uh, I do think that Ingram's going to have some big weeks coming up. Definitely, I'm an Ingram guy. Um, I will take New Orleans uh, at home here. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, I, there are maybe two teams where I would consider taking the other team, and Philadelphia is not one of them right now. 
Not right now. My how the uh, the mighty fall. Minnesota at Chicago Sunday night football. The Vikings have an extra week to prepare for the Bears, but I think Matt Nagy can stay one step ahead. Uh, the Vikings are explosive, explosive and loaded with playmakers. Uh, the matchup leaves Thielen a solid wide receiver one for me. Diggs an upside wide receiver two. Cooks, Cook, Cook, Cooks, Cook, Cook. Delvin Cook is a running back two, and Cousins is an upside quarterback two. Uh, Rudolph may actually break one open here. I, I don't have him as the low end tight end one. Yeah, it it's really tough because this matchup comes down to what, too many cooks in the kitchen? Yeah, I, I've heard about that. <laughs> well, it's all good. Uh, we all get confused. Uh, usually it's with longer names like Equinemius St. Brown, but for simpler minds like yours, uh, sometimes you confuse there Cook are and Cooks. so many people named Cook in the league right now that I can't keep them straight. You mean Jared Cook, Dalvin Cook, and Brandon Cooks? Just three? That's the three. Yes, the three, and they're all fantasy relevant. All right. So, <laughs> um, speaking of Cook, um, I do like him as an RB2. I think they're going to struggle to run the ball here, but we've seen that he's usually very involved in the passing game when healthy, so uh, you're starting him if you own him. This is what you've been waiting for all season. Uh, you know, it, it's tough because I don't – I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bench Diggs, but I think that really he's been getting the short end of the stick here because opposing defenses keep you know shifting coverage toward him for whatever reason and leaving Thielen more open in the slot. I do think he's still an upside wide receiver too, but I just don't know how high the ceiling is unless he breaks a big big play, and I'm not sure that Cousins is gonna have time to look downfield with the pass rush and the state of the offensive line unless they really work some things out over the bye week. So, um, you know, Rudolph's fine. He's a high-end tight end, too, for me. I like Cook as a running back, two. Thielen, of course, you're starting as a wide receiver, one. And Diggs as a mid-range wide receiver, two, I'd say. Yeah, that, that Chicago defense is tough. I hope you guys are ready for uh, for a little too much fun here. The Chicago Bears... Our Chicago Bears, your Chicago Bears, everyone's favorite team. Mitchell Trubisky just went 350-plus yards, three touchdowns throwing, plus a rushing touchdown. And I don't know how I can advise anyone to bench him at this point. Just roll him out there. Minnesota's defense has not been as formidable as we're used to. I could not have been more wrong about Allen Robinson this past game. Instead of covering him with their best defender, Darius Slay, Matt Patricia opted instead to defend him with no defender, which led to six catches, 133 yards, and two touchdowns in what was a phenomenal day. All that said, I'm holding him down to just a wide receiver two, likely with Xavier Rhodes this week, although he hasn't been himself either, and Matt Nagy finding other ways to win. Uh, but he is definitely being looked to as the top receiver on this team. Taylor Great Gabriel had it tough, zero catches this week, and Anthony Miller finds another way uh, to become uncovered almost weekly. Five catches, six targets, 122 yards, and a touchdown. The kid is just really good out of the slot. He He's actually a decent upside flex consideration for me here this week. Trey Burton turned in low-level tight end one production. As for the running backs, uh, Jordan Howard had 32 yards on 12 touches, and this is why I called him a running back two going forward, while Terry Cohn had seven. 
uh, carries 15 yards and a touchdown, plus six catches, 29 yards receiving. Also just a running back, too, but they do have downside of uncertain usage to their games. Um, it's really hard to complain about this as a Bear fan after that week, but uh, the running backs do leave something to be desired for your fantasy team. Yeah, I, I think there's a few points that I'm not quite on the same page here. Uh, I, I don't know that right. uh, you necessarily need to bench Trubisky, but he is outside of my top 12 quarterbacks this week. Uh, no, I said there's no way you bench him. Right, I'm saying I would consider it. You don't have to. What? <laughs> Look, the, the the Minnesota defense is much different from the Bills defense, the Lions defense. I think he's still got that upside. I just think he's more of a risk-reward option. I do think there is a chance of, of an interception or two here. Um, he does tend to hold on to the ball a little bit too long at times, too. We saw a, a fumble against the Bills that luckily they recovered. Um, so I, I don't love him here. He is still a high-end quarterback, too. Uh, if you don't have better options, I, I'm certainly fine with starting him, especially at home. Uh, as for the running backs, uh, I don't love Jordan Howard this week. Uh, we saw with Matt Nagy that against good run defenses, uh, what he prefers to do is he's just going to give a ton of short routes to Tariq Cohen. So for that reason, I have Howard as a high-end flex this week and Cohen as a mid-range RB2. And then finally, I really don't like Allen Robinson. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is probably going to shadow him around. Uh, that's a very tough matchup to beat. And so he's just a flex play for me, a boomer bust here, depending on whether he gets a touchdown. Uh, I don't love Taylor Gabriel. They have Harrison Smith in that secondary. They really cover the deep ball pretty well. And for that reason, I like Anthony Miller. Uh, as you said, he's finding ways to you know beat coverage almost weekly. Uh, I don't know that he's going to have 100-plus yards on a touchdown again, but I think he's a wide receiver three with some upside this week uh, if he does get a lot of those check down targets over the middle of the field. Burton, uh, I like as a low end tight end one, even though Minnesota is tough to play against here. Uh, despite everything that I that I said, that sounds a little pessimistic here. Uh, I do think it'll be a close one, and I think at home the Bears can scrape one out, and uh, I will take Chicago. Let's go Bears. Bears forty, Minnesota tree. <laughs> I think it'll be a little closer than that, but yep. Let, hopefully they can pull it off. They they flex this game into the Sunday night game, so I'm excited. Da Bears. All right, Kansas City at LA Rams. This week we actually have two great games in primetime, so so good job, NFL. You got it right because they flexed the schedule up and changed things around a little bit. Kansas City at the Rams. Kansas City won again versus Arizona. No real shock here. And we get a, we get an, a matchup of epic proportions. I can't even say it. It's so epic. Versus the Rams this week. I am not fearing for any of the players here. Mahomes is my homie. Hunt, Hill, and Kelsey are not finding anyone's bench in any situation. Watch for Sammy Watkins to recover. If he's healthy, he's a legit wide receiver, too, for me this week. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so this could be the best game yet of the season. Um, and it's not even in America. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, you, you know, you beat me to it again. Good lead-in, actually, for me. Good transition here because I was going oh, to I'm mention. Sorry. No, no, that's that's totally fine. Uh, it is worth noting that this game will take place at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. I believe I brought this up last year as well. 
Um, I think the Patriots were playing there, and you know I talked about it a little bit. But note that Mexico City's elevation is over two thousand feet higher than Denver's. Um, we saw in pregame warmups at Denver that Patrick Mahomes tossed the ball basically ninety yards. Um, it would not. It would not shock me if he threw the ball away in this one and went out of the stadium. Uh, and it also would not shock me for both offenses to put the pedal to the metal here, wear out the opposing defense's pass rushes uh, with that thin thin air and that high altitude. And with Mahomes' arm, uh, we could see some you know multiple 75, 80-yard touchdowns for Tyreek Hill in this one. Uh, you're starting everybody in Kansas City. And uh, one, one last note is that it does sound like the Chiefs are optimistic that Watkins will be able to play this week, so fire him up as well all as long as he's active i guess the only other thing i i'd say I, I know i'm a bigger handcuff guy than you but i think at this point of the season spencer Ware is a must own in every league um I, it depends on your roster uh if you have you know two three i mean i guess solid. in a no bench league then no but you know yeah again i, I think once we clear these last few bye weeks he will be um, for now, you know, especially this week with six teams on bye, I could, I could totally see teams not having that roster room um, to to have him on there right now. But certainly one of the one of the most high upside running back handcuffs. I agree with that. The Rams squeezed past the Seahawks. Uh, these divisional games always give us heart attacks. Jared Goff went 320 yards, two touchdowns, and is a solid quarterback. One versus Kansas City, of course. Gurley is obviously a top play. Woods and Cooks are clear high-end wide receiver twos, if not wide receiver ones. And Cooper Cup, well, he re-injured his left knee, and the official word is a torn ACL. He's done for the year. Josh Reynolds becomes a flex with big-time upside. Last time we saw him in real action, he scored two receiving touchdowns. Yes, there were two touchdowns scored by two separate tight ends this game. No, I don't care. Yeah, so... Like I said, I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to stop this offense. I think both uh, both offensive coordinators here are going to push the pedal to the metal. But I, I just want to note that I've seen a lot of celebration from Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods owners that they're just going to dominate after Cooper Cup's injury. But uh, I will say that it's interesting to note that the Rams had two of their lowest scoring games this year uh, in the three-game stretch where Cooper Cup was out particularly through the air in those games because I think that Cup's absence actually hurts this offense slightly overall. Um, of course, I still love Cooks and Woods a lot this week in that shootout against Kansas City. I'm just saying I don't think this is a huge win if you own one of those wide receivers. I, I think they'll still be safe producers, uh, wide receiver two level, but I don't know that this is instantly going to propel them into wide receiver one territory. Um, as you said, I like Reynolds as a flex with upside here. And even though the tight ends are splitting that work, uh, you know, they're both in the streaming conversation, even if it's going to be difficult to project between the two, uh, you know, both of them got touchdowns and it's entirely possible that that happens again this week. So depending on your options, both are risk reward tight end twos. Uh, basically you're starting all of your Rams except the Rams defense. So and oh, by the way, uh, I you know I love to talk about the Chiefs' defense. Uh, you're you're not starting them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love them for for the rest of their season after their bye week uh, after this game. But 
please uh, don't mistake my uh, my love for their defense to, as start them this week. Don't be stupid. Come on. Um, I think I'm going to go with Casey here. Uh, and I think it, it, to me it comes down to the fact that I think Mahomes is a much better pass, uh, much better quarterback than Jared Goff. Uh, there's, there's no two ways about it. Sorry, Jared. You know, I, I will take the Chiefs as well, but not for that reason. I, I think Goff's actually a very good quarterback. He's very accurate. Of course, he doesn't have the arm that Mahomes does. Um, the reason I'm taking the Chiefs here is because I do think the Rams will need to adjust just a little bit to Cup being gone. Uh, you know, Josh Reynolds is talented in his own right, but certainly you can't build that chemistry overnight. Um, and even though he had that two-touchdown game a little while ago, uh, he's he's not Cooper Cup. Uh, they're still going to need to make adjustments. And, you know, any little thing that makes you, you know, learn something new for the week, um, you know, you're not as used to a certain play, whatever it might be, uh, I think this game is going to come down to those tiny, tiny edges. So I, I will take the Chiefs by a little bit. As for our buy teams this week, there are many, a cornucopia of buy teams, if you will. Uh, Buffalo, not that you wanted many of these guys, but Josh Allen, LaShawn McCoy, Zay Jones, Robert Foster, Buffalo's defense. The Bills crushed the Jets. So I guess Matt Barkley is the answer. Just kidding. The Jets stink. McCoy had two touchdowns and continues to be a workhorse. Josh Allen may be back in week 12 as well from his elbow injury, so Jones and Foster are only deep league ads if you think Allen is going to target them as much as Barkley did. Uh, Bye-bye, Nate Peterman. He is now off the team. Yeah, so here I would consider trading for LaShawn McCoy uh, if his owner needs a win this week. I think if the Buffalo defense can help out the offense as they have been doing the last few weeks, and as long as Josh Allen or Matt Barkley or whoever's starting for them doesn't turn the ball over four times a game like Nathan Peterman, uh, then McCoy has a chance to be a volume-based running back two for the rest of the season in PPR. Um, and then also, if you're a high-seeded team, if you've all but locked up a playoff spot, I would consider holding on to the Bills' defense if you've got them. Um, or if they get dropped during their bye, consider adding them and, and burning that roster spot on them because they get very good matchups against the Jets and Lions in weeks 14 to 15, the first two weeks of the fantasy playoffs. Um, you'll probably want to drop them after that if you make it to the championship game because they do play New England in Foxborough uh, week 16, so you certainly don't want them there. But uh, depending on who you're starting, uh, for example, the Chicago Bears defense, they have very tough matchups in weeks 14 and 15. Uh, consider the Bills defense uh, holding on to them here. Cleveland Browns, Mayfield, Chubb, Johnson, Landry, Joku. Cleveland beat the Falcons at home, which is impressive in itself. Nick Chubb, 20 carries, 176 yards, and a touchdown, plus a receiving touchdown. So take that, all you non-Chubb believers. He's a stellar dynasty running back. Off week for Jarvis Landry, but I'm pumped to see what this team puts together after their bye. Yeah, this Browns team is really putting it together. Um, Mayfield and Chubb are going to be a lethal combo uh, for years to come. I don't have any particular buys or sells. I mean, obviously buy Chubb, but I highly doubt that any of their owners are going to yeah. be selling right now for less than you know elite running back one value here. Um, I'm not. <laughs> Uh, I guess the opening here is potentially to buy Duke Johnson because the Browns led against the Falcons for a lot of that game. Uh, that led to a lot more usage for Chubb, but they're still likely to trail in a lot of their upcoming games. Um, 
they should this should lead to a better game script and more targets for Duke Johnson. He's worth throwing out an offer for uh, if you need running back help in PPR leagues. I think he can still be a running back two in PPR even with Chubb there. Um, and if the Duke owner thinks that Chubb is all of a sudden the guy now, then he's worth throwing out an offer for. Miami Dolphins, Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, Danny Amendola, Kenny Stills. Danny Amendola has solid PPR floor, and that's all I'm endorsing. Kenyon Drake and Devontae Parker both left the game with injuries, and we had a Kalen Balaj signing. Not that it uh, amounted to much. Yeah, and also uh, Jakeem Grant also suffered a lower leg injury of some sort. Not sure if it's an ankle or an Achilles or what just yet, but... The early expectation he's going to miss quite some time, uh, you know, and if Parker's out too and Albert Wilson's already been out, Kenny Stills might be worth a look. Uh, if he gets dropped this week or if he's already on waivers in, in your league, we saw that Tannehill has a lot of chemistry with Stills, and if he comes back in Week 12 or Week 13, then Stills could still be a wide receiver three, maybe even a wide receiver two down the stretch in the fantasy playoffs, and he's free right now in a lot of leagues. New England Patriots, uh, the, you know who's on the team. It was a bad loss to Tennessee. They, they need to regroup and heal their playmakers, they, their time off. Their, their bye couldn't come at a better time. Yeah, there's a ton to digest here with the Patriots news. Uh, they really struggled without their right guard, Shaq Mason, against that Tennessee pass rush. Uh, and then uh, during the game, their left tackle, Trent Brown, he left the game with a back injury. A lot's up in the air here, but I would be buying Tom Grady and Rob Gronkowski if their owners need wins now. Uh, it sounds like Gronk was close to playing against Tennessee. He traveled with the team uh, to Nashville. Uh, he should be hopefully good to go week 12, and if Gronk is indeed 100% or close to it after their bye week, then he can be dominant down the stretch here. This is why you've been holding him, uh, or if you know you don't have him, this is why you need to go out and acquire him. Uh, Julian Edelman also left that game with an ankle injury, but it sounds minor, so he should be likely to return Week 12 against the Jets. And that's one reason I would consider selling high on James White, assuming that both Edelman and Gronk are going to be healthy Week 12, assuming that offensive line gets it together. We could see fewer checkdowns for White than he has the last few weeks. Uh, also, Rex Burkhead could potentially return as soon as Week 13, and his presence in the backfield would just further muddle that running back picture for the Patriots. Uh, so he's a guy to potentially consider selling on. Of course, don't sell low. Uh, depends on your running back options, but it may be a slightly quieter second half of the season here. Very, very messy. Maybe uh, combine Michelle or White with another player to try and grab an elite guy if somebody's not paying close attention. The New York Jets, uh, Darnold, Isaiah Crowell, Eli McGuire, Anunway Anderson, and Herndon. Josh McCown actually started in the team was just a mess, a cornucopia of crap if you want to make things festive for the Thanksgiving season. And I'm calling a mulligan on the Chris Herndon call because I did not realize Sam Darnold wasn't playing. Uh, Quincy Anunway led the team with eight targets, and Crowell's carries fell to seven. But game flow was a big factor here. Yeah, I, I think a noon one Crowell are, are still going to be, you know, decent starts as boomer bust flex plays uh, with Darnold potentially returning after this bye week. But really, any Jets player is droppable this week during their bye if you need starters now. Uh, the Jets are bad, and they play a very tough schedule coming up. They play against New England, Tennessee, Buffalo again, Houston, and Green Bay their next five games. So I don't see a huge upside for any of these players. The San Francisco. 
49ers, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Brita, Morris, Goodwin, Garcon, Pettis, and Kittle. They play tonight. I'm expecting Breed to have a good, uh, have been good to this point versus the Giants. As we already saw he had a touchdown. So he had a touchdown. Kittle's a tight end one, and who knows with the quarterback? Yeah, I haven't been playing. Pay, excuse me, paying super close attention to this game, but it looks like you know Mullins. Some of his throws are a little bit off uh, against better defenses. They may have been interceptions, so uh, I would not rush out and get him in one quarterback leagues. Uh, their their schedule does get harder late in the season. Um, and then as with the Jets, uh, no particular buy or sell recommendations here. Uh, you know, take a shot on Matt Breida if you need a running back three or flex down the stretch. Uh, he's been disappointing uh, the last few games, but he's been struggling with injuries. So if you think he can stay healthy, he may be a buy uh, and be productive for that late season push. Speaking of injuries, uh, talking about some quarterback injuries right now. Ryan Tannehill with his right shoulder questionable for week 12 after Miami's bye this week. We'll see if guys like Frank Gore and Danny Amendola benefit at all from Tannehill's return, but I doubt that there will be a significant fantasy impact, regardless of whether Tannehill or Osweiler starts Week 12. Sam Darnold on the foot sprain. We don't really know a lot about the situation, but the Jets are on by this week, so there's hope that Darnold will be ready Week 12. Monitor practice reports. Josh Allen, elbow sprain. He's been out a while, but it's possible that he'll be ready to go in Week 12 after their bye monitor a situation in deeper leagues or super flex or two quarterback leagues. Derek Anderson and his concussion likely to play week 12 after Buffalo's bye as well, but Allen will likely be the starter if he's ready, if not Matt Barkley after that showing. Joe Flacco, hip injury, questionable, but unlikely to play this week. It's possible that we've seen the last game Flacco ever starts in Baltimore if Lamar Jackson plays well and lights it up in his absence. And Flacco has played awful the last couple of weeks anyway, so he's droppable in most one-quarterback redraft leagues. And at running back, uh, we've got Chris Carson with those hip and groin injuries. Uh, he's questionable, but again, it sounds like he's going to play Thursday per Pete Carroll. Uh, just monitor his practice this week. Make sure he doesn't have a setback of some kind. Uh, James Conner with the concussion, he's questionable, but uh, it is optimistic again that he doesn't have a history of concussions and he gets 10 days to recover after playing against Carolina last Thursday. Royce Freeman with that high ankle sprain. Uh, it's really tough to call here with high ankle sprains affecting different players uh, with different uh, recovery times. But Denver is coming off their bye week, so monitor him this week. Kenyon Drake with that shoulder in injury. Excuse me. Uh, Miami has their bye as well, so check for updates next week on Drake here. Chris Thompson with the rib and knee injuries. He's been out for quite a while, but he is questionable this week. Uh, possibly returning so monitor those practice reports uh, thompson could see a lot of short targets down the stretch given the state of washington's offensive line and alex smith's tendency to check it down ronald jones has that hamstring strain he's questionable but even when he's healthy tampa bay is using a running back by committee and this offense is struggling so jones really doesn't need to be rostered right now outside of deeper leagues and then finally we mentioned him a little bit rex burkhead with that neck injury He's been on IR, but he has started practicing again and could return as soon as week 13 for any fantasies in desperate need of running back help. As for the wide receivers, Marvin Jones hyperextended his knee. Questionable, he was not able to finish the game versus Chicago, but we're awaiting more info on severity of this injury. Uh, monitor the reports. Julian Edelman and his ankle injury. He's questionable, but New England's on the bye. Reports are that the injury is not serious, so he is likely to be back week 12. 
Stefan Diggs with a rib injury. They are mostly pain management issues, and with Minnesota having their bye last week, Diggs is questionable but likely to play. Sammy Watkins in a foot injury is questionable, but Kansas City sounds optimistic. Watkins will be able to go this week. Kiki Cutie, hamstring injury, questionable, but Houston just had their bye. Monitor the reports. Jamison Crowder's knee injury, he's questionable for this week. Monitor the reports. We thought he might have been back this past week, but he was ruled out early. Uh, Devontae Parker in a shoulder injury, you probably weren't starting many ways outside of deeper leagues, but this injury just makes Danny Amendola continue to be a PPR wide receiver three going forward with a ton of target volume. And Kenny Stills is an interesting boomer bust wide receiver four with Tannehill possibly back week 12 after Miami's bye this week. Randall Cobb has a hamstring injury. He's questionable, but it sounds like he'll need multiple weeks to recover with Geronimo Ellison already on the IR. Cobb being likely out on a short week with Green Bay playing Thursday night makes MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a wide receiver three with serious upside, and Equinemia St. Brown, a risk-reward wide receiver four. I think Green Bay went out just to try and get the hardest-named receivers to put on their team just so you can't cover them. A.J. Green, toe injuries. The updated report from Adam Schefter is that Green is likely out until December at the earliest. So week 13 at the earliest. Uh, As I said last week, I'd be looking to trade Green away unless you're already locked into a playoff spot. Cincinnati does have good matchups versus the uh, Chargers, Oakland, and Cleveland weeks 14 through 16. Chad Williams has an ankle injury, questionable, but unlikely to play this week. You're not starting him in fantasy, but if Williams is out again, it's worth noting that Ricky Seals-Jones did get nine targets in his absence versus uh, Kansas City. Martavis Bryant with a PCL sprain, likely out multiple weeks. He weren't touching him anyways, but maybe it makes Jordy Nelson a wide receiver floor. Probably just gives him another uh, zero-catch, one-target day, but, you know, we try to cater a bit to deeper leagues sometimes. Robbie Anderson with an ankle injury, again, just for deep leagues, but he's a boom-bust wide receiver five if he's healthy enough to return week 12 after the Jets' bye week. And Cooper Cup, sad. Torn ACL, out for the season, droppable in all redraft formats. Um, Really going to miss him. Great player. Yep, hopefully he'll make a full recovery, be back next year. Uh, So much fun to watch here, but... At tight end, we've got Rob Gronkowski with those back and ankle injuries. The Patriots are on bye this week, and it comes at a good time. Uh, Notable that Gronk, again, did fly to Tennessee with the team, which indicates that he was close to returning. So he's likely back in Week 12, and I would definitely hold on to him. You won't get full trade value from anyone uh, for him at any way at this point. So a possibly 100% Gronk could be a game-changer this late in the fantasy season and in the fantasy playoffs. Hunter Henry, we mentioned real quick uh, earlier today and last week, coming off that ACL tear on IR right now, could be activated next month. For fantasy teams that are basically locked into the playoffs, Henry can be stashed if you've been streaming tight ends. And even if you're set at tight end, you could deny another fantasy playoff, a potential tight end one here. And then finally, Eric Swope with that knee injury. As we said last week, you weren't starting him anyway outside of very deep leagues. But if he does return, it could limit Eric Ebron's ceiling a little bit. Some waiver wire quarterbacks. Uh, Dak Prescott, 30% owned in ESPN, 35% Yahoo. The Cowboys offense is playing better, but a lot of Dak's points have come from rushing touchdowns the past few weeks. He's a decent streaming option at Washington this week, but he's still not a safe quarterback one if they limit his production on the ground. 
Marcus Mariota, 16% ESPN, 30% Yahoo. Tennessee's offense has looked markedly improved in the last two weeks since their bye. Indy is playing better, but their defense is still giving up a lot of big plays. And Eli Manning, 12% ESPN, 17% Yahoo. If you're truly, truly desperate, Eli gets to play against Tampa Bay, one of the league's worst secondaries at home this coming week, assuming Kyle Lalovetta doesn't uh, steal his job from him, too. If uh, on the off chance that Lawletta starts, you're not starting him in a one quarterback league, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I would wait to see more, um, even against Tampa here. Although uh, Nick Mullins last week. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're desperate, uh, I just probably wouldn't. I would yeah. still go with Prescott or Mariota or one of these guys over a rookie that we've never seen play a snap. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Duke Johnson, uh, running backs, 70% owned in ESPN, 75% owned in Yahoo. I'm just bringing him up because he should be 100% owned. Uh, we saw Chubb blow up and Cleveland dominate Atlanta, but again, it's more than likely that Cleveland's going to play in closer games or games where they're trailing down the stretch here, which should lead to better game scripts that are more favorable for Duke than Chubb. Duke has been a PPR running back one in the past, and he could be again for the rest of the season if his target volume remains this high. If he's still available or gets dropped during the Browns' bye this week, uh, he's a must-add. Theo Riddick, uh, he's 20% owned in ESPN, 12% owned on Yahoo. He's kind of a poor man's Duke Johnson. Even though Carryon Johnson is eating into Riddick's passing game workload, he's still got 6 for 60 on 7 targets in the passing game. And with the, the Lions' defense playing poorly here, there should be plenty of targets and opportunities for Riddick going forward. He's essentially being used as their slot receiver right now, and he's going to be a decent PPR flex play. Chris Thompson, 65% owned in ESPN, 60% owned in Yahoo. Another one of those receiving backs here. His ownership percentage continues to drop the longer he's out. With Washington's offensive line just wrecked by those injuries, Thompson could see double-digit targets on checkdowns from Alex Smith when he's back healthy, and it sounds like there's a small chance he could return this week. Derek Henry, 52% owned in ESPN, 48% owned Yahoo. We talked about a possible nice game for Henry against the Patriots on the waiver wire section last week, and he exceeded even our expectations. With the Titans offense starting to click a little bit, Henry's a risky start, but at least he's a boomer bust flex where we've seen the boom. Mike Davis, 46% owned in ESPN, 52% owned in Yahoo. And Rashad Penny, 13% owned ESPN, 15% in Yahoo. You know, with Carson back, um, none of these guys are really startable. Uh, it's going to be Carson. But both Davis and Penny are still worth prospective ads. If you have the bench space, we've seen Carson struggle to stay healthy before. And if he gets hurt again, uh, both of these guys, we've seen the upside now. Right now, they're interchangeable depending on who's hurt any given week of all three of those running backs, so we don't recommend spending a ton of your fab dollars here on these guys. However, for me, Penny seems to be the upside stash, breaking those big plays. Ito Smith, 46% owned in ESPN, 59% owned in Yahoo. Smith still looks good running the football, but continues to be a touchdown-dependent flex option here. With six teams on bye, though, you could probably do worse at running back or flex this week. Josh Adams, we talked about a little bit, 6% in ESPN, 13% in Yahoo. It sounds like Adams is going to be the main back on the ground here, but again, with the Eagles' defense struggling, he may not get a ton of carries to be more than a low-end flex, kind of like a Doug Martin sort of situation. And then Jamal Williams, 22% owned in ESPN, 19% owned in Yahoo. Burkhead's more likely to detract from Sony Michelle, 
and James White's production rather than add a whole lot on his own. However, both Michelle and White have struggled with injury issues of their own in the past, and we've seen that any time a Patriots running back is hurt, the other two usually produce more fantasy points. Burkhead is a potential running back three or flex with a lot of upside in case of injury to Michelle or White, and he can return in week 13 or beyond. And finally, Jalen Richard, 50% owned in ESPN, 48% owned in Yahoo, and Doug Martin, 54% owned in ESPN, 45% owned in Yahoo. Both Oakland and Arizona are both not playing great, so this week's matchup between the two teams may be the best chance that Doug Martin gets to reach 15 to 20 carries. Of course, Jalen Richard continues to see more of the receiving work, so both are going to be decent PPR flex plays this week. But you never know with Oakland, so start at your own risk. Just a mess. All right, wide receiver. Corey Davis, 68% owned in ESPN, 75% in Yahoo. Davis has been getting a ton of targets all season, but not turning that into fantasy production. Tennessee's offense is finally improving the past couple weeks of games since their bye, and Davis has the highest upside of any waiver wire ad on our list this week. For now, he's a high upside wide receiver three. Mark has Valdez Scantling, 65% ESPN, 72% Yahoo. Rodgers and the wide receivers didn't have to do a whole lot versus Miami with Aaron Jones dominating on the ground, but MVS is still a WR3 with highly weekly upside and a clear number two target behind Devontae Adams. He should be a fine play at Seattle Thursday night. Could be your team's MVP. Anthony Miller, 13% ESPN, 14% Yahoo. Miller has now averaged seven targets per game over the last four weeks with three touchdowns in the last five games. Even though Minnesota is a tough matchup, expect Xavier Rhodes to shadow Allen Robinson, possibly opening things up for Miller and Taylor Gabriel. Christian Kirk. 31% 31% ESPN, 33% Yahoo. Kirk surprisingly did not produce much, even in catch-up mode versus KC. But he did get a great ma- he gets a great matchup again this week versus Oakland and continues to be one of Rosen's go-to targets. He's a risk-reward flex play this week. Cortland Sutton, 53, th- uh, 53% ESPN, 55% Yahoo. With Demarius Thomas gone, Sutton has immense opportunity, even though he struggled versus Houston. We'll see if the bye week helped get Sutton get incorporated into some more plays as the 1B to Sanders in this offense. Danny Amendola, 45% owned. Amendola has averaged 14.5 points per game since week 6 versus Chicago. Even if Tannehill returns and starts over Osweiler, Amendola should see a ton of targets with Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, and Jakeem Grant all hurt. Add him as a PPR wide receiver 3 or flex if he gets dropped during Miami's bye this week. Jameson Crowder, 17% ESPN, 11% Yahoo. Crowder practiced a bit last week and has a chance to return this week for Houston. As with Chris Thompson, both are often injured players, but with flex upside or more in PPR when they return given Alex Smith's penchant for checking down throws, particularly with Washington's offensive line struggling with injuries. Everybody's injured, I think, except the center. Josh Reynolds, 1% owned ESPN, 2% Yahoo. With Cooper Cup out for the season with a torn ACL, Reynolds will play a lot with the Rams using 11 sets the vast majority of the time on offense. He's just a boomer bust flex option, but he has an insanely high ceiling this week in a likely shootout versus Kansas City in Mexico City. David Moore, 11% ESPN, 14% Yahoo. It was a second disappointing game in a row for Moore versus the Rams. He still has weekly upside, but with the risk of so few targets again and Nick Vanette's added involvement in the red zone, Moore is just a boomer bust wide receiver four for now. And finally, Brandon Marshall, 4% ESPN, 8% Yahoo. 
Some savvy fantasy owners added Marshall immediately after the news of Des Bryant's season-ending Achilles injury, given that he also worked out with the Saints prior to their signing of Des. However, just as Des was no more than a boomer bust four in New Orleans, Marshall looked slow while in Seattle and needs to build chemistry with Breeze in the red zone to become fantasy relevant. In deeper leagues, he's worth a look, but Marshall should not be a priority wide receiver ad. I think the, the biggest impact he plays is for defensive coordinators who don't realize he's old and try to actually defend him at the goal line, opening things for Mark Ingram or, or Alvin Kamara. I think that's really the uh, biggest impact for him. Yeah, um, quick quick question for you here. Were you were you French in a former life or something? You seem to have very much difficulty pronouncing uh, Xavier. <laughs> no, no, that's how you that's how you pronounce Xavier. Okay, I, I remember the first time when uh, we brought up. Uh, Xavier Grimble. I think it was a couple of years ago now. <laughs> I've 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 busted out uh, Xavier a couple times. I think it's a beautiful name. Yeah, maybe maybe you could use that for your firstborn son. Uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, high, there's a high pen chance for that to be a middle name. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll take us through the tight ends, the defenses, and the kickers. Please do. Vance McDonald here, uh, not Xavier Grimble. Uh, 47% owned in ESPN, 52% owned in Yahoo. Uh, Jesse James is still stealing some snaps here or there, but McDonald's really involved enough in the strong Pittsburgh passing attack. Uh, even though Jaguars have defended against opposing tight ends pretty well this year, they just gave up a three touchdown to hit Eric Ebron. And they're going to have their hands full trying to slow down Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, which might possibly open up some op- opportunities for McDonald here. Gotta, not not yeah. to cut you off, but where is Xavier Grimble anyways? Do we know where he is? Is he lost? I'm pretty sure he's still on the Steelers. Yeah, I really hope so, and I hope he gets some snaps in because it was fun watching him play. Like, And now with Vance McDonald there, they can really make the true Degeneration X with 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 Zave Pock, with Mr. Vance or the Vance Man, and, and the Road Dog Jesse James. I mean, I, it's You can't write this stuff, folks. It's right there for you. Yeah, I I just looked it up real quick while you were rambling on there. Um, Xavier Grimble has three catches for 44 yards this year for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Degenerate. Pittsburgh, degenerate. Yeah, add add Xavier Grimble in your four tight end leagues. Yeah, man. (laughs) All right, um, Ricky Seals-Jones, we talked about a little bit before, 14% owned in ESPN, 17% owned in Yahoo. Uh, This Raiders defense is just awful, and... They're going to give up a ton of points here to opposing tight ends. If Chad Williams is out again, Ricky Seals-Jones could benefit a second week in a row here, see a ton of targets. Janu Smith, 1% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. We talked about Janu Smith earlier this year, uh, right after Delaney Walker got hurt, but it seems like we just got the timing wrong and he burned us early in the season. With the Titans offense playing better and the Colts defense playing poorly against opposing tight ends, Smith's got a chance to score again this week for the third week in a row. Again, risk-reward here, but uh, that's kind of the tight end situation in a nutshell this year. And then we've got Tyler Higby, 0% owned in ESPN, 1% owned in Yahoo, and Gerald Everett, 1% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. Again, with Cooper Cup tearing his ACL and out for the season here, uh, Higby and Everett are both going to be involved in this Rams passing attack. The problem is that McVay uses both of these guys interchangeably, so it's going to be tough to project who has a better chance to score each week. Regardless, though, both of these guys are going to be boomer bust tight end twos. Uh, but in a projected shootout versus Kansas City and Mexico, uh, you could do worse. 
Jeff Hireman, we talked about last week, 8% owned in ESPN, 1% owned in Yahoo. Uh, he may be a little under the radar with Denver on bye this past week, but he had 24 points against Houston, a little bit fluky, but Hireman might worth a, uh, might be worth an add as a risk-forward tight end too if Keenum continues to target the tight end more now that Demarius Thomas is gone. And then Hunter Henry, 1% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. Henry has a chance to be activated next month with the Chargers offense scoring a ton of points here. Henry's worth adding if you're basically locked in for a playoff spot and have that bench or IR spot reserved for him. How about some defenses? I hear defense wins championships, or at least it, it used to in the 80s and 90s. Uh, the LA Chargers defense, 44% owned in ESPN, about halfway owned in Yahoo. We talked about the Chargers last week, and they came through with 12 points versus Oakland. Now they get Denver and Arizona next, and Joey Bosa could return soon and make this a top-five fantasy defense to close out the season. Baltimore, 64% owned ESPN, 54% Yahoo. The Ravens' defense was likely dropped in a lot of leagues during their bye, but they're rested up. They get ready to play Andy Dalton at home without A.J. Green this week. Absolutely great defense. Arizona's defense, 14% ESPN, 16% Yahoo. The Cardinals' defense has been up and down, but they played well versus KC, and Oakland should be a much better matchup for some fantasy points here. Um, it does look like with the coaching uh, shakeup that Arizona did change their base defense a bit. Yep, and then finally at kicker, we've got Michael Badgley, 7% owned in ESPN, 17% owned in Yahoo. The Chargers finally dumped Caleb Sturgis, and Badgley has yet to miss and fall victim to the Chargers' curse. He's a top-10 fantasy kicker on a top offense right now and should be owned. Matt Bryant, 17% owned in ESPN, 26% owned in Yahoo. And Giorgio Tavecchio, 13% owned in ESPN, 20% owned in Yahoo. Not to sound like a broken record here, but we'll repeat what we said last week. If you forgot, Bryant could return from his hamstring injury this week and would be a top 12 kicker on a good offense. And if not, Tavecchio remains one of the best streaming kicker options. Even if Bryant returns, Tavecchio has played well enough to potentially keep the starting job in Atlanta or to have earned a kicking job for another team here. Despite a disappointing five points this past week during a game where Atlanta sucked across the board, there are better days ahead, and whoever's going to be kicking for the Falcons is going to have lots of opportunities at fantasy points. And finally, a risky play here, but a risk-reward play, Cody Parkey, 48% owned <laughs> in ESPN, 20% owned in Yahoo. Uh, you know, Robbie Gold uh, used to actually practice hitting the uprights when he was warming up. Um, mm-hmm. My theory here is that Parkey, oh boy, here we go. My theory is that Cody Parkey has been texting with Robbie Gold, uh, and you know Gold was giving him tips, but Parkey forgot to read that last text pregame that you're not supposed to actually hit the uprights; you're supposed to go just inside of them. Um, wow. Clearly, he had an awful day against Detroit. He missed two extra points and two field goals, but Matt Nagy has said that Parkey remains the starting kicker, for now at least. So Parkey's going to be a risk-reward option here, but Minnesota stops a lot of drives in the red zone, so he's going to get ample opportunity here for a bounce-back game this week. And you know what? If he misses two extra points and two field goals again this week, drop him. Yeah, I, if he if he misses anything, if he can't get it done versus Minnesota for those reasons you said, I, I think he's going to go the same way Robbie Gold did in Chicago, uh, an early cut, a uh, quick quick ride to the unemployment line. He'll get picked up somewhere, though, and, and become a top-five kicker again. 
Yeah, I don't think there's any issue with cutting him. Uh, but like I said, uh, this is a high-scoring offense, and Minnesota gives up a lot of field goals rather than touchdowns. So I think he's still worth a risk-reward stream this week. All right. Well, uh, we're getting uh, we're getting down to the wire here. Um, hopefully, you're still in contention for the playoffs in most of your leagues, or the one league that you can play in, or whatever it might be. Um, there's a lot of waiver wire options out here, and uh, a lot of leagues still have one or two more weeks before their trade deadline passes. Uh, you know, usually you play with your friends, your coworkers. You're talking to these people. You know them. Uh, talk to them more about trades. Uh, everybody can use a little bit of help, even if you're, you know, the number one seed, even if you're in last place. You can always make your team better, and that's what we try to help you do here on this podcast. And if you need more specific answers to specific questions about your fantasy teams, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. And, of course, our producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan. We're also available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, go ahead and click subscribe and be ready early tomorrow morning having uh you know, having the uh, podcast automatically download to your device. It's pretty nice. Tells you about it. You just pop it open. You're good to go. Dang. How could you have something better? I can't think of anything better. Can you? Certainly can't. And uh, no, we go very well with coffee, whether you take it black or with sugar and cream. And yeah, don- as always, donuts, biscotti, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm more of a Starbucks guy myself, but certainly uh, nothing wrong with Duncan. No, no. I was saying to... Dip in your coffee. It's an Italian cookie. Oh, well, 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 yeah. I don't know about that one. I prefer. I said biscotti. I didn't say Dunkin' Donuts. What are you? What are you? What are you doing over there? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just tune out when you talk for too long. I don't know. <sighs> Rude. As always, it's the fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. <laughs>